The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday we got to talk some USC Trojan football. It's Notre Dame week. The Trojans are going to go on the road, take on the Fighting Irish in South Bend, Indiana. A lot of USC fans like to go out, check out Chicago, make a drive or take a train to South Bend. We're going to talk about what USC did during the bye week with Coach Harvey Hyde and talk about preparing during a bye week, what you want to try to achieve, especially when the team's banged up a little bit, getting guys healthy and all of that, but how you prepare as opposed to what Notre Dame was doing, they played uh, Bowling Green. So not quite a bye week, but they got a 52 to win, 52 to nothing win in that game. So they got to tune up a little bit different than what USC was able to do. So we're going to talk about all that with the coach. We got questions and comments from all of you, so we'll address those as well. If you have any questions for the show, please email us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or if you'd like to call or text us, you can do that too, 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. We got some voicemails today. We'll talk about those. Play those for you with the coach. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. Welcome in, Coach. How are you? Ryan, I'm good, buddy. I'm getting ready to get back into not that I didn't enjoy this football weekend, but uh a bye, as you know, I hate buys. And uh sometimes you need them as far as for the rest period. And uh, some of your players get well, but buys get you out of rhythm as far as I'm concerned. You're into a, a program of getting up, practicing, going to school, getting trained, lifting weights, doing all the things you normally do. And then all of a sudden you look forward to a buy thinking it's an off week, that everybody's going to rest and, hey, we're going to be able to just kick back. And especially if you're going to a buy after you lose a football game, it's even worse. So I hate buys, and uh, <laughs> I hate them, uh, but they're, they come into your schedule, but uh, you could use that to an advantage, too. Yeah, and I think Clay Houghton wanted to try to use this to his advantage, and if you looked at what USC did last week, a little bit different. Uh, on Tuesday, they had a practice, but it was a uh, no-pad. So typically what they would do on a Thursday, they did on a Tuesday, then they had a uh, shells practice or just shoulder pads practice on Wednesday. And then we couldn't see Thursday. It was completely closed, but we were told it was also a shoulder pads day. So they kind of went light early on um, and then did a little more contact later on in the week. I think a lot of that coach was just trying to get 
guys healthy. A bunch of guys were banged up. You know, we I think a lot of the fans, and you know, we talked about this on shows, sort of hoping that USC could maybe step up the physicality using that bye week, that extra week of practice. Seems like they went a different direction by trying to get guys healthy. Is that something you kind of, as a head coach, you kind of have to manage like and get a feel for where your team is and how how much you really want to push them during a bye week? Well, you know, uh, we have different philosophies. Uh, to me, a bye week, especially when it's this time of year, is a chance to go back and improve on everything we're not doing very well. And it's a competition week where if I think I should be playing, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to work hard. I want to scrimmage against people. I want to have my underclassmen who aren't playing much scrimmage and learn the game. It gives me more time to get them practice time, hitting time, reps, and so on. I'm more old school. I'm, I, I'm, I want to keep my players tough and learn to react and play the game of football, not kick back and not hit anybody for two weeks because I think your timing is off. I think the whole uh, rhythm that I talked about earlier changes during a two-week period of time. I know that uh, when we went to a bowl game one year, uh, we gave them some time off between practices and their timing, and they were loafing around that I went to double days. At those days, you can they said, oh, you guys think you're good or whatever. We're going to go to double days and get back to the way we're supposed to be. So I think it's a period of time. The bye week is when you work, you improve yourself, you look at what we can't do very well, you include and you add plays and selections and improve your defense in the areas that needs to be improved and the offensive schemes as far as the running game and the perimeter attacks and defense on the perimeter. And the only way you can learn that is scrimmage it. Now, of course, some players can't scrimmage, but uh, the ones that can, as I always say, you can't worry about uh, worrying about getting someone hurt. You always worry about it, uh, but you've got to get your team better. Your team's got to improve because, you know, you're breaking down in certain situations and you've got to improve that. And the only way you can is doing that in the bye week. And I used to call it competition week, where if you don't think you, you're, you're playing and you should be playing, show me here during this period of time. And we used to work out and, and I used to hate to give them off the weekend because young people really aren't really uh, dedicated to do what they're supposed to do in some types times, but I used to give them Friday off and Saturday off, but uh, I would bring them back on Sunday in this type of situation. Normally on Saturday, I'd have brought this team back because I would have had them watched as a team watching uh, type of learning situation, watch a Notre Dame game. I would have had the offense in one room, the defense in the other room. We would have been watching the game at a normal race uh, time as the game's being played, make our calls, evaluate certain plays, watch certain positions, watch your guy play. And uh, I know it's against Bowling Green, but it's somebody that you can watch their execution and learn from what they're doing. And it gets you thinking a day earlier about your opponent. I think that's what you need to do, not think about having the weekend off. Coach, um, so looking at the two different teams, it seemed like it was a perfect uh, weekend for Notre Dame. You get a 52 uh victory. You get young players in there. Ian Book throws five touchdowns. It just seems like that's sort of what you wanted. There weren't any big injuries, anything like that. Um, you know, so if you're not going to have a uh a bye week. That's sort of like the next best thing, I guess you could say. For USC, and I talked about this on Tunnel Vision last night, um, I'm curious to see 
what you think about it. With USC not like tackling to the ground and really sort of saving up most of the physical work for game days, when you miss one, is there a chance to get a little rusty? Because I think USC started to tackle better the more the more games that they played because you're you're having more opportunities to tackle where you're not doing that in practice. Any kind of concern when you sort of rely on that if you don't have a game that weekend that maybe you get a little rusty and the tackling might not be as sharp because you haven't done it since the, the previous game. Absolutely, Ryan. If you don't uh, do it or you lose it. And uh, that's what I said. Uh, basically what Notre Dame had Saturday was a scrimmage. They had a chance to keep their timing, play a lot of people, uh, stay in shape with the, as far as playing uh, a game and yet getting your exercise in and, having a game plan and being successful. It's almost like that's the same thing USC could have done on Saturday, not saying they should have or whatever, but it's an opportunity to maintain your rhythm, maintain, uh, you know, what you're doing. Uh, I don't know if you could have gone to the Coliseum or not. I don't know if they had a game there. I think they had a game there on, no, the Rams were out of town. They played on Thursday, but you know, you could have gone over there and done some type of thing to, uh, to just maintain the rhythm and tackling and punting and kicking field goals and doing all the things you need to do. I just think that's really important. And yes, it's awful hard to come back from a walk around type of situation and then go live and go full speed. It's very difficult. And I tell you, against Notre Dame, this is a, a different type of challenge going down there. This is a whole, this is a one game type of season, Ryan. This is not a football game. This is a spectacle. This is probably the highlighted game of the weekend regarding traditional football programs. There'll be six or seven Heisman Trophy winners there. I mean, this is huge. And when you come on the field, what's the feeling? I, I would have a walkthrough definitely on Friday to have the kids take a look at the locker rooms, how you come down the steps, how they want you to go out first, and all the different things that happen there. Just rehearse it so it doesn't happen for the first time. So, yeah, this is, this is a different type of setting. And uh, you got to be ready to play. These guys are trying to play for the playoffs. These guys, not I don't want to use the word hate, but this is a game that they had a choice, most of these players, to go to Notre Dame, USC, and other schools. This is the type of game where you want to prove that you made the right decision. You went to the right school. So uh, it's a big challenge. And uh, I think you've got to be really ready. And uh, taking a week off is difficult. Yeah, it just I just seems with USC relying on the the games to like kind of ramp up the physicality, there could be a little bit of a concern there. So we'll see uh, we'll see how they come out and play um against Notre Dame. We have a voicemail for you coach. Now, our buddy Curtis Marino Valley loves calling in. He is so obsessed with the the eight man uh <laughs> the eight man dropping eight guys in the coverage stuff and having a three man front. And every week he kind of comes up with a different uh, question about it. So this one's kind of interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this. Here's his question. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. Hey, Coach. This too deep safety like um, Washington ran against us. We're covering, dropping back six to eight players. Um, too deep, all game, 15 yards deep. That's weak down the middle for passing. Posts can work on that. Plays up the middle for the receivers because the the uh, two safeties are splitting 
the field and watching the outside receivers so they don't go deep. So it's weak uh, down the middle. What do you think about it, Curtis from Moreno Valley? And uh, real well, quick. Coach, real quick, um, if you guys watch, Shotgun Spratling does a great uh, film breakdown of uh, USC's games and about 20 minutes long for subscribers. Make sure you check it out. Uh, But I think the final interception, Coach, was trying to take advantage of the middle of the defense. I believe it was a post, and it looked like Matt Fink just threw it too late. And by the time he threw it, the the safety was able to get over and intercept the pass intended for Drake London. But uh, I think you can – but you can't just let it you – know, I, I think they let the play go on too long, and then they, they kind of ran the receiver into where the coverage was. But there seemed to be some some spots there, but I think you have to take advantage of it maybe a little bit quicker than what we saw USC do it. Right. It's all timing and sliding to the uh, the area, and they're playing the two safeties deep because they worry about your fade routes and your deep routes, which USC really doesn't throw that often. And when they throw it, they got a 50-50 chance of – Completing it, but when they, you know, when you see that, you've got to take advantage of the middle of the field with different types of routes, your tight end, uh, deep curls, different type of things in front of those safeties, force the backers to drop back, and uh, then take advantage of different type of routes, crossing routes and things that, and then stop routes uh, in the open areas because you're going to see that. You're going to see until they prove they can run the football and want to run, run the football. Believe me. This is called air attack or air raid. There isn't much of a, uh, a tune to running the football when you hear that offensive uh, uh, nomenclature as far as what it's called. So they're going to stop the pass, and that's the best way to stop it. I Believe me, it is. You make the quarterback really have to dial in and throw the ball perfectly. You You hope you might give up some plays, but you believe they can't drive the length of the field on you. They've got to have 15 perfect plays to drive the length of the field on you. And you're going to cause a sack or you're going to uh, have an interception or they're going to have a third and long and there's going to be uh, a situation that you're going to get the ball back. That's what they're banking on. They don't want to play man. Now, Utah played man, and you see what happened. USC beat Utah because they tried to match up with the receivers. And really, Utah really didn't defense USC well at all. The two teams that really have are the teams that they've lost to. I mean, BYU did the same thing, and so did Washington in their version of their schemes. And you've got to be able to do that. And you've got to force USC to do things they don't want to do. And uh, USC can't be stubborn and not do that. And they've got to improve their perimeter. They've got to improve their two running back schemes, bootlegs. They don't run the quarterback. They don't want to run the quarterback, but they've got to run the quarterback. And do different type of things or have two backs with crossing actions and put backs uh, into the seams and circles and all these different things you do to take care of the middle of the field and have a better blocking type of situation, too. Because when you have a one-back set and you, and you send a, a corner, you come off the edge, you don't have a lot of time to throw the football. And you're going to find yourself hurt if somebody misses their blocking assignment. And sometimes you just don't have enough guys to block all their guys. So, uh, you know, you've got to be able to move the football, take advantage of what you see, and, uh, uh, you know, if they do this, I have to be able to do that because I can't throw a football into an area that's all covered. Okay, I just can't do that because that's what they're trying to do, and that's why they're having turnovers, forcing the throw into a zone. And when the field closes down and you don't have all that field, it's even more difficult. 
So you've got to be able to run the football, not throw fade routes and slant routes on the 10-yard line. You've got to be able to run the football in there with some type of theory and plan. The uh, the offense is, uh, I guess, a big subject during the, the bye week. Uh, Coach, we've had a lot of people uh, write in, call in, talking about it. We tweeted about it, things like that. Um, we had a – so Mike from West, West Texas Mike, who's in, actually in Washington, D.C., he called and well, we've had, I think, three voicemails that were like almost three minutes long in this uh, in the offseason. I think people have some more time on their hands, maybe, Coach, because the offseason, I mean, the uh, the bye week. But West Texas Mike called in, left the three-minute voicemail, got cut off, then called back and left like another three-minute voicemail. I can't play these long ones, uh, Mike, and anybody else. So got, try to keep them to about a minute or so. But I'll give you the gist of what he was saying. He is not a fan of the offense USC is running right now, but... He basically said, Coach Hyde, you're my guy. He loves you and he loves Joel Klatt. So just, but he goes back to 2017. Think, he says that the offense regressed, thought it was a lot more smash mouth in 2016 than what they saw in 2017. He started describing every road trip he went on with his dad and things like that. But he said, no more air raid. They need to be physical. And he, he said, this experiment is clearly over. So I don't know what you think about it, Coach, but uh, – uh, West Texas Mike, not very happy with the way the offense is. Well, West Texas Mike, I have to agree with you. I've been talking about this for a long time. I think it all happened uh, back when the NCAA put USC on sanctions. They had the numbers problems where, uh, you know, uh, when Lane Kiffin was coaching, uh, uh, they didn't want to hit. They couldn't get anybody hurt. Uh, they got away from a lot of the running game. They went mostly to the passing game, and they started to get softer. And it continued during that period of time in the Steve, Steve Sarkeesian's era, and uh, it became more of a uh, passing type of philosophy and stat type of philosophy, which they had very good success as far as completions and throwing the football around. And they had some great receivers at that time. But the whole philosophy of the USC tradition and the smash-mouth type of football and who we are at USC, and you better bring your white flag with you so you can throw it on the field and surrender about the second quarter or third quarter, and we'll just uh, call it quits for the day. It sort of drifted away from that. And then when Norm Chow left with Pete Carroll, I think it sort of softened up a little bit there. They might have won another national championship or so with Norm Chow, but uh, Norm Chow knew how to run the football too. And uh, that sort of disappeared. And then, uh, and then Clay Helton, who is now the head football coach, who did he learn under really? Well, I'm not sure. I think Lane Kifford hired him, Lane Kiffin, and then he was with Sarkeesian. So that's been his philosophy too, because he came in with that philosophy. So the running part of USC has basically disappeared as far as being a priority, as far as I'm concerned. I don't see the under center. Uh, watch all the great teams play. Those quarterbacks go under center in short yardage situations. They run a jet series. They have play action pass. They pound the football inside when they need to. It's not even their, in their play card at USC. I, I don't even know if they go under center at all. In fact, Somebody made the comment, why would they go into center? They never practice it. Well, that's not a hard thing to do, going to center. Uh, why would you run five yards to get to the line of scrimmage when you can do it from the line of scrimmage as far as on short yard? It doesn't make any sense to me. 
So, you know, you've got to be able to have this type of mentality to be able to insert a physical type of offense and running game as far as with a background. And I think that's where it all came about. And what, um, West Texas, uh, uh, Mike, or whatever your name was, I appreciate <laughs> you bringing this up. Forgot your name. Give me a jersey number from now on. <laughs> and uh, that's what happens, you know. It takes a period of time, and you get away from it. And when you name something, air raid offense, what are you thinking? Uh, it's air raid. It's passing game. Where is the running game? You don't even mention it. Why even call it air raid? Just call it whatever you – that's offense. And this is what we're going to do. But, you know, it's part of it, and that's what he decided to do. And I, like I mentioned last week on this podcast, I think it was this podcast or other shows I do, how many people in the country run this offense? Nobody in a Power 5 conference except for Texas Tech and also for uh, Washington State and USC. I don't know anybody else that's running just a passing game offense called air raid offense. So, you know, Decide for yourself on what's right, what's wrong, and what tradition you have at USC, and what you want to watch. And you know, to be to be fair, I don't think this is an air raid. This isn't like what Texas Tech runs. It isn't like I mean, uh, what Texas Tech used to run. They're running a little different now. But what Mike Leach runs, that which is definitely focused on the passing. This is an offense that's shown the ability to, hey, switch gears and run the football more. It's more. It's been more fifty fifty. So far, but there was, I think there's a lot more opportunities to run the ball that they haven't done yet. So I get, I get people's frustration, but I don't think this is a true air raid. And we see different versions, you know, Oklahoma runs something that's a lot of fun, but you know, more mobile quarterback and things like that. Um, but we uh, kind of along those lines, coach Jay Colgate from the Peristyle, He has a question for you. If you were the head coach at SC, which offense would you run? Personally, I have zero issues with, he says, personally, I have zero issues with the air raid. Just wished it looked like Oklahoma's more than Wazoo's. Oklahoma's made it work with three completely different quarterback styles. That's Jay from the pair style. Well, it would determine, too, what my philosophy is going to be uh, and what talent is available and uh, how you win today. Things have changed today. If you look around the country, you don't see many football teams playing for national championships that don't have talented quarterbacks that are athletic. Run, pass, do it all. So that's the first thing I'd have to go to. The stable quarterback in the pocket and so on. Hey, that that's not happening today, okay? you got to move. you got to keep them guessing. You've got to be able to keep the perimeter. you got to be able to run tear, pass. you got to do all the different things, quarterback draw. And these teams run their quarterbacks. Watch Justin Fields. Watch these guys. They run their quarterback. I mean, they're not afraid to run their quarterback, or their quarterback's not afraid to take off and run. And when Galen Hurts takes off and runs, hey, you better be careful, but he's going to go 60 yards on you. I saw him go on the second play of the game 54 yards against UCLA. So I would have that type of, I need to have a quarterback that's great as far as athletic ability, can throw the football, a well-rounded, great athlete. Great athlete. I got to have that. Not one of them, two or three of them. Look at Georgia. They had so many of them from that they supplied the rest of the country with starting quarterbacks that are running for the Heisman Trophy. How about Ohio State? Fields goes there. Burroughs goes to LSU. Burroughs is up for the 
Heisman Trophy, you got to have quarterbacks, okay? So that's one thing, and you can't be just the pocket guy anymore, especially if you're going to run the the uh, one-back type of offense or what they're running. Now, if you're at Wisconsin and you decide to go to Wisconsin's offense, which is USC's offense of the old, and they're doing it uh, their way, you don't need to have as a mobile type of quarterback. You need a big, tall kid that you're going to run the football, they can bootleg and throw the ball down the field and play action pass. But you can do it, USC, but you've got to recruit those type of athletes. But you've got to be able to get great athletes. The other thing coaching. Everybody's worried about coaching. If you don't have great athletes on both sides of the football, you ain't going to beat anybody. Okay, when people start to think about uh, great coaches and they're going to do it, hey, look at Chip Kelly at UCLA. How good is Chip Kelly? I mean, everybody's tight. He's 4-14, four okay, in two years. Jonathan Smith's up there the same amount of time at Oregon State. He comes down and beats him this weekend. Jonathan's probably making a million a year, maybe. Look what Chip Kelly's making. It doesn't make any difference. It's the players, what you do with those players, how you how you put your offense together and recruiting. If you think you're going to outcoach people today, hey, expect to be living in a U-Haul, okay? But it isn't going to happen. So if I'm going to be, if you're asking me what I'm going to do at SC, I'm going to get better players than everybody else or as good as anybody else. And then I'm going to put my offense together where I utilize the skills of those players. I'm going to have the best coaches in the country surround me. I'm not going to worry about who they are and what their names are. I'm going to have the Norm Chows. I'm going to have the Steels, the defensive coordinators. I'm going to make sure we can pay them a lot of money so they don't want to go anywhere else. So these guys can coach these great athletes. I'm not going to have my uncle or my cousin or any of those people that need a job, okay? That's the way I would build the program at USC. And if you don't have the leadership from the athletic director and the trustees, it isn't going to happen. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll finish up the show finishing off your questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. we got the Coach Harvey Hyde. Couple more questions, more of like the state of the program, and then we'll let you go, Coach. Uncle G sent in a long text. Uh, the subject is shouldn't matter. He says it does not matter if we win the Rose Bowl or every game. He, and he means Clay Helton, needs to go because USC needs to be in the top five, or it's not acceptable. This is all he has. As much as Sam Darnold loved USC, he would have come back for his junior season. Uh, I think he means he wouldn't have come back because he wanted to be an All-American on the wall, uh, and he wanted to win the Heisman. But when he saw how his offensive line was not progressing and the team wasn't getting any better, he knew his best bet would be to go to the NFL. And we, have, we haven't, he said, we've gotten nothing but worse since. There's some, some grammar issues here, Uncle G. I'll try to fix it for you. He says, with Urban Meyer available, it's a perfect time for USC to get a top-five coach that could make us uh, in contention next season. 
He's the best coach available. I'd love to see him uh, and see what Urban Meyer could do with our athletes and getting some offensive linemen in here. Thanks for the podcast, you guys. Uh, you guys do a great job. Even better when we get rid of this coach and get a real one in here. Wow. Uh, Uncle G, not real happy with the state of the program, Coach. No, and I, I don't know how many people uh, are bragging about the state of the program. I think the uh, program has a football program, and uh, but it's not what the tradition of what the program is. And Ryan, I think I mentioned it on this podcast last week, but I didn't. Unless they hurry up and change the status of the tradition of the program at at USC, people aren't going to remember what it was. Young athletes that are playing high school football, not only in California, but around the country, in the past always wanted to come to USC. Now do they really want to come to USC? That doesn't indicate that as far as recruiting for this coming year. Uh, And also the administrators and also the trustees. And I hope the new college president remembers and understands the tradition of USC on how it helps the morale of the USC alumni the alumni football players, the student body, the donors, and everybody else on how important athletics are to USC, along with the academics and everything else and all the other departments. But it's something that everybody gathers around every Saturday. And why do they have homecoming at a football game or parents' day at a football game? Because it's a huge event. And it's important. You don't want the alumni coming to your campus on homecoming and you get beat 40 to 20. You want them coming to brag and go and party and have a great time. So unless your administration understands the tradition of what your university is, and that's what USC is, it's a bragging school. You brag when you get in. You brag when you graduate. You always come back. You always donate. The statement of once a Trojan, always a Trojan. People either love USC or hate USC. Why? Because of that standard and who they are. So until they get back to that, right now they laugh at USC occasionally. And, and I don't mean to, 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 to be critical, by I am. It's not what it used to be. And unless the people get serious about this and change it around, it's going to be too late. You, uh, it's funny, you mentioned homecoming, Coach. We did get some breaking news earlier uh, today or just before we recorded this. USC's uh, homecoming game, homecoming uh, against Arizona. So the weekend following the Notre Dame game, USC comes home uh, playing Arizona. The game will be a 6.30 p.m. Uh, kickoff. So that's going to be on uh, October 26th. I mean, sorry, October 19th. Um, and 6.30 p.m. kickoff, and it will be on Pac-12 Network. So it gives some more tailgating time for that. Actually, I went to a homecoming game this past weekend, Coach. I was in San Diego seeing my sister. She was swimming. She was a diver at University of San Diego. And uh, they had like an alumni event there. Like uh, they brought back alumni people. And I got to go check her out, watch her, and try to swim and uh, dive again. She hadn't done that in like 25 years. And uh, we went to a little tailgate for the University of San Diego. They took on uh, Marist, which is in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, I believe. And they won 31-7. So, hey, you know, you got to schedule a a winnable game on homecomings and, and Arizona, they lead the PAC 12 South right now. So I don't know how we'll see about that one. I mean, that, you got to worry about that later, but um, yeah. So USC does have a six thirty PM 
game. I don't know. You like those later kickoffs, Coach, for homecoming, or you want it earlier? How do you like them? Well, it depends how you look at it. Uh, if you win the game, I really like it, because it gives you a long time to party before the game, okay? <laughs> but you got to be careful driving home. So, uh, and they go a little bit late, but, you know, you've got to, you, you, we're all starting to learn now. Television dictates when the games are and so on. That probably the best time for a homecoming game is probably 1.30, 2 in the afternoon, maybe 4.30, but, you know, it's better than 7.30, okay? And uh, so you take what you get. The main thing is, do they leave the campus after being there all weekend as far as celebrating homecoming happy? And how does that make them happy? With a W. So it's damn important that they have the football program. Yeah. And we got one last thing for you, Coach. This was another uh, voicemail that was uh, over three minutes long. They didn't leave a, a, a name. Basically, what he was saying was uh, – he just, he's not a big fan of Clay Helton and he goes into, and he says, you know, I don't hear anyone talking about this, but Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan weren't very good either. Um, we've talked about that quite a bit, whoever the, the voicemail caller is here. Um, so I, I'm not sure where he's coming from, but it's certainly he goes into a lot of the details of what Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan uh, did wrong. There are plenty of, there's a lot of things to choose from there, uh, but he really wants a clean slate in the athletic department. You know, it's hard to disagree. Um, we, we could know something in the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, as far as USC naming the next athletic director. Um, I'm uh, being to me, coach, and I talked about this on the Tunnel Vision show. I think you have to definitely go outside of the program. Don't bring anyone that had anything to do with USC. Someone that's been a sitting athletic director somewhere else that's had success. Bring that person in and let them change the athletic department. Knowing you know it's how other programs are run, bring in those philosophies and run them in USC's athletic department. But I, I agree with this caller as far as they need to clean slate and start going in here. And I think this is the first big step. This is a big move from Carol Fult, the new president, bringing in uh, USC's new athletic director. Well, I, I agree. I mean, uh, you can't worry about name recognition here either on who's going to be more popular, the college president or the athletic director and the head football coach. I think in most university settings, it's the head football coach. If this president is smart enough to understand that, she'll be here a long time because everybody's going to be happy. There are going to be a lot of donations and happy people. So, you know, a lot of people have to understand that, too. The athletic director's got to be well-connected as far as within the NCAA and also with what's happening with committees and colleagues and so on. And the head football coach has got to be somebody that everybody says, wow, how do we get him? That's tremendous. But the kids say it at the same times when they hear their when, their, when their family members are saying that or past parents or the media, us guys, supposedly media guys, and the papers write, so-and-so is coming to USC. How did that happen? Tom Herman leaves Texas to come to USC, a, great, a Cal Lutheran uh, Valley guy, or, or the AD comes with him as a package. I mean, this is the type of impact you got to have, this type of impact. Or Gene Smith leaves Ohio State, Urban Meyer to work with Gene Smith, or whatever. I mean, why can't USC have that type of announcement? I mean, this is what you got to do. You can't say, who's this guy? <laughs> I mean, who, who's this guy? Where did he come from? Or the same thing with the coach. Where did, who is this guy? 
you got to go out and make a statement. And if that costs money, fine. But that indicates, too, you will like the sport and you want to win, okay? And you want to make your university proud. Yeah, and I think that's something that USC fans want to see, that there didn't seem to be this dedication to winning. It seems to be like, well, just hire guys that you know, don't, you know, hire inexperienced guys. That that to me, and I think a lot of the fans feel the same way, Coach, you're not really dedicated to winning. You're dedicated to kind of keeping things in the family. If you're going to go hire, you know, if you're building a house and you're really like, yeah, I know this guy, he could build the house for me. I know this contractor, or I'm going to find the best contractor available. If you find the best contractor available, maybe pay a premium for it you're likely, you care about the quality of the house. If not, it's more about other factors. And I think that's what USC fans want to see, Coach, is the USC shows, hey, winning is important to us. We're going to go out and hire winners as opposed to what they've been doing in the past. And I agree 100%, not just in football, but in everything. In everything. We're going to give you everything it takes to win. And if I have to call you into the office and say, I'm sorry, I got to let you go. The guy's going to say, you're right. I couldn't get it done, and you gave me everything. And I think that's the way it's got to be at USC. You've got to win in everything, but you have that potential. All right. Coach Ari Hyde, great stuff. Uh, Bye week. Now we got to look forward to Notre Dame. Uh, We'll talk to the coach again on Sunday following the USC-Notre Dame game. But, Coach, thanks again for coming on and sharing all the insights. Ryan, again, I want to thank you very much. And again, I want to remind everybody, this is just our opinion. We thank you for being a part of our podcast. And we look forward to being back with you next week. So uh, fight on, everyone. Get ready for something that's really special Saturday. Yeah, special matchup, USC and Notre Dame. Hope you guys all enjoy the game and hope you enjoy the podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.